Welcome to the Smarticle Podcast, where we take a good article and make it gooder. We definitely need five seconds of silence because it is a God Talk Friday. Brandon has been using a lot of the bad words, so we're going to give him five seconds to contemplate life and come back without the bad words. Brought to you by Smarticle. Okay, Brandon. Wait, Larry, are the bad words anger, shame, depression? I don't know what the bad words are. I don't know what those well, there's, are. Well, but... there's the C word, there's the uh, D word, S word. Go. Anyway, I, I, I just, I'm not tracking with you on that. But let's Happy God this. Talk Friday to you and yours out oh, there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Our, our friends at the Center for Accident Contemplation are going through a series called Radical Resilience. Oh. And this post is called Strength in Weakness. Oh, yeah. Granted's very strong, so this is going to be interesting today. In the 12-step program, there is no side to take. It is not a worthiness contest. The experience of powerlessness is where we must all begin. The 12 steps are honest and humble enough to state this, just as Jesus himself always went where the pain was. Wherever there was human suffering, Jesus was concerned about it now and about its healing now. Surrender can lead us to be gentler with ourselves and others and sometimes enables us to ride through the wave of pain that life inevitably brings. Paradoxically, when we choose surrender for the right reasons, it empowers us. Curious mystery comes from honoring the truth that surrender with gentleness can be in its own form of strength. Our ability to hold our lives with a flexible, open posture allows God's power to manifest in us. Here's the million-dollar question for me with this, Brandon. What's the line between surrendering and doing nothing? Hmm. Great question. I think we can unpack that a little bit, but I think that you're going to, of course, you're going to make fun of me or say something pedantic about this, but I don't think there's any more challenging question around faith than this idea of surrender. I truly don't. I think of all the questions of, of Christian faith or probably any faith, this idea can you surrender your ego and allow God or whatever to work within you? Because it is, especially in America, I think we're raised to be doers. Like you just said, what's the, you know, the doing nothing. People just mock that. What are you doing? Are you lazy? Whatever. It is a really challenging thing to sit back and say, I am not in control and I'm going to let something else take charge. I don't know the answer to this, but I do believe that this is the single most challenging question of Christian faith for sure. And as you know, I live in uh, Silicon Valley and there's a couple of doers around this oh, neck of the woods. Are there? Uh, just a couple. And it, it is not easy in the pace of life in this city to be someone who tries to just be contemplative. It's funny. There was something in here. I can't remember exactly where it was, so I won't try to find it, but it was talking about basically people that had kind of made it, it was sort of referencing that idea of there's so a person glad that kind of exactly. So people we know lots of people that have just they have ostensibly become successful. They have made yes. enough money or success yes. or fame or whatever yes. it is that they are. Uh -huh. And it seems to me, and you and I talk a lot about this off air. We don't talk about it as much on air because we want to be sensitive to people, but we know a lot of people that have quote unquote made it and they're miserable. They just seem to be unhappy people. And I I sometimes I literally, if I could, if I was in the same room with you. And I could kick you as hard as I possibly could in the groin, I would. Because you make mm. me that mad sometimes. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I love working with you and I love oh, what we're doing here. I think great. this is an incredibly 
challenging and awesome thing. And one of the main reasons I like that is that neither one of us is ever going to let the other one forget the fact that all our talk means nothing if we don't surrender our ego. So when we become famous and I'm doing hookers and blow in the back room. Yeah. I will just be like, well, that's sad, Larry. You've missed the whole point of this operation. But I do, I do think that, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, we, you've talked about, you and I've talked about the guy that was the founder of Zappos and, oh. he, and he was like, at the end of his life, he was like whippets. in a closet doing whippets. I'm like, dude's uh. worth millions and millions and millions. I, I don't know, billion dollars. He had a house filled with just other derelicts that he didn't know. And then didn't he like, he died of a drug overdose, I think. But I'm like, holy cow, dude, you've done everything that everybody talks about that you, once you do this, that's when you're going to be happy. And you're in a closet doing whippets. Because obviously that's not the answer. We know people that have become, I, I had a friend recently say that they've, they've had a lot of success in their life, have a, a lot of, of personal wealth, have done really well. And they were like, yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think my life's kind of meaningless. And I'm like, whoa, Ooh. in a really, you know, sort of like trying to figure it out way. But I'm like, whoa. holy cow, all that we're told, do this. Like, yeah, you know, Michigan Wolverines won the ch- championship. Oh boy. Hold on. And I was thinking about this. If you're a Michigan fan, you're like, Greatest day ever of my life. Well, guess what? Tomorrow you start worrying about next season. There's always another a hill to climb and always something else to do. And, and all those people that were the Washington fans are all depressed. I'm like, why? It's just a game. Who cares? Just kind of coming at this from another perspective. Oh. If you grew up with nothing yeah. and you finally got something, it makes sense that you want to grip onto it tight. Yes, I, I get that. I think there's a difference between having enough and having too much. So for instance, if you look at somebody that's like you just said, grew up with nothing or maybe grew up in real poverty, didn't yeah. have food scarcity, all those kinds of yes. things. So having just the idea that you are going to be okay is a hugely important thing. Like yes. Maslow's hierarchy security. of needs, security, right? Is hugely important. Yes. But at what point do we tip the scale beyond that? I have a, a, a friend who grew up really, really poor and has done really, really well. And I always feel like He's always trying to prove himself. And I love this guy. I think he struggles with it, but he's always yeah. trying to prove that he's not that poor kid anymore. And I want to just go, hey, bro, I'm just going to give you a hug because you have done it and you are okay. And it's going to be all right. That's hard. I know you like to make fun of that, but a lot of people that didn't have parents to hug them and tell them that they were going to be oh. okay, it's tough. Jeez. Your kids, they lived, you've talked about this all the time. You lived in this little 800 square foot apartment. There were three kids. I would tell people, I was like, hey, when you're complaining about space in your house, I had a buddy who had three little kids living in no one tiny room with no closet, one bathroom, and yet I think about those kids and there's not one second of their life where they haven't felt loved, where they haven't felt like, man, my parents really love no. me. That's amazing. What an incredible gift. Someone told me this, and I want to take credit for this, but the whole purpose of life is being able to eventually let it go. Like, there, I'm a 50-year-old man. I still feel like I can go out and play pick up hoops. Yeah, you can't. I and I feel like because my brain still remembers it, yeah, I got it. Me too. Like I, like when you get old, like when you're an old man, like they're, they're walking to the store, remembering yeah, little something. Little things. Isn't like you could argue and that the whole point of life is letting everything go. Well, you have to because at some point, yeah, we talked about it recently about at some point your kids going to have to wipe your butt because you're going to be too yes. old to do it yourself and it's depressing, but that's, Oof. that's the ultimate surrender. I was talking to a, another friend who has done really well, super great, kind human being done, very successful, smart, everything has one kid that's really struggling with some academics. Oh, that person. 
it's not because they don't try hard. It's because their brain's wired differently. And a lot of people don't understand that. And that becomes, for any parent that's ever had a kid that's had LD issues, that is a hugely stressful event in that person's life. And when we look at that, we could say, man, I've reached all the success in the world for those of you that have kids and love your kids. But when your kid is suffering, forget about it, dude. It is, it is like you would give everything up in order to, if you truly love your kid, to remove that from them. But you can't. So what you do is you try to give them the resiliency and the grit to be able to get through that thing. That is the gift you're giving them. On the opposite end of that, remember when we did uh, Hank, Azaria's obit of Matthew Perry. Yeah, yeah. And he describes the time that Matthew Perry brought him to their first 12-step meeting. Yeah. And he has this feeling. He's like, all these alcoholics in a room, and he felt embarrassed that he had to go in front of these people and tell them that he was an alcoholic. And it was that idea of just like, just admitting it to the room, surrendering his addiction to everybody is what it took. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why in 12 Steps, and, you know, Roar has written a book about the 12-step program. Yeah, it's a great freaking book. But I think at the very the very thread of it, at the very core of this for, for people in recovery or anything else, is just recognizing that you're actually helpless. And that's the yeah. hardest thing. The, putting your ego aside, it says, no matter how hard I work, no matter what I do, I cannot defeat this. And when you can finally do that and can own your own helplessness, that's when real healing happens, that people can get through what they're getting through. To take that down 10,000 more layers. Oh, Ultimately, though, is you in this life going, I'm going to die. Like, and I know that's hard, but to ultimately the big surrender is like, hey, at some point I'm going and all of this doesn't even matter. Right. There was this uh, in the code of the Bushido, the Japanese samurai, they were yeah. taught, they, they were Zen. It's part of the Zen Buddhist worship, but they, they were taught in a sense to say to themselves, to believe that I am already dead. Yeah. I have already died. Ooh. I'm already dead. So that when I go into battle, I go in without worrying about death because I'm already dead. And I think there's something about that, that understanding I have already reached the end. So how am I going to live this very moment in the sense of my own death? And I think that sounds morbid to a lot of people. They freak out. You know, I was listening to somebody talk as a pastor said, quoted this data yes. saying that Christians are more likely to ex- try to extend their life than non-Christians oh, wow. in general. And I, he was like, that's amazing. If you think about a group of people that profess that they're going to go on to this greater life, why would you want to extend your life? And I, th- I think that he, he was sort of scratching his head about it. He's like, that doesn't make any sense if you believe this. And I think that th- the simple answer is that most people don't truly believe that. They they don't believe that at the end there's going to be something better. So Or they're worried that there might not be. So let me extend it. Let me let me extend the the bad I know versus the good that might be there. Yeah, and this idea you said of like a warrior, whoever it is, like waking up and being like, I'm already dead. What happens then, I feel like, is you get perspective on the day you get, you get your perspective on the day com- becomes completely different on how you live it. Yes, because you're like, why would I worry about stupid, insignificant things? Yeah. Why would I worry about somebody, you know, uh, cutting me off in traffic oh, when it doesn't I really it affect coming. anything? You know, why would I worry about little tiny things that don't really have that much importance in my life? Why do I make mountains out of molehills? I guess that's really what it amounts to. So this is the last thing I'll say. Let's make it personal. Okay. You and your wife took a long time to have a baby. Oh, yeah. Probably care about your baby a whole lot. I'm assuming this, like, and there's lots of you out there. You want to grip onto this child because it took so long. 
But this whole idea is like surrendering the thing that took us a long time that we care about the most. You got to surrender it. Yeah. And, and that is, that's what I mean about that. Why I think that's the single most difficult challenge for any person of faith, probably any parent, is it you don't have a lot of control over what happens to your child. I mean, the thought of my daughter dying before me is crippling. If I, if I think about it, if I, if I yeah. reflect it's on it, if I go, oh my God, like, I don't even know if, my wife and I have talked about it. I don't know if we would survive. Like, I think it would kill us. I think it would be so horrible, but I'd like to believe that I have enough faith to know that there's only so much I can control. So I'm going to do the very, very best I can to set my daughter up for success, knowing full well that some things may not work out. And it, and it's, it's hard, dude. It's a daily death to self. I really believe that. Well, I've got some great news at the pot of your rainbow, Brandon. Oh. Your daughter's not going to die, and she's going to marry my son. Oh. And <laughs> it is going to be hey, listen. a glorious getting up when you are paying for the wedding, <laughs> my son to your daughter. You're going to be your, great. Your son's a very handsome boy. He, she could do a well, lot Well, I don't worse. even know which one I'm talking about. It uh, could be uh, my best one. friend. I, I think it's going to be my best friend. But, okay. Well, you know, she'd well, be lucky. Uh, yeah, she would be. I, He's I feel a good like test taker. Larry, I would like to thank you for teaching me about how to surrender my life to your children as my future in-laws. 